Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts welcome to season nine of next question with me katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. Uh, this is actually our first episode that we've ever done after after a series loss, um, which I must say is a little weird because this is actually the earliest series loss had since 2014, which is um it, it's funny we were we were sitting on the plane last night in the locker room like talking to Steph and Clay like I don't even know how to feel or what to think or like like what am I supposed to do now like do you keep watching the playoffs do you not keep watching the playoffs obviously I'm going to keep watching the playoffs because if you want some great analysis you can come right here and check it out I'll break this shit down for you like nobody else can so obviously I have to keep watching for that but it's like one of those things like all right do you keep watching the playoffs do you like you know, kind of sell off for a little bit and kind of just reset and get away from it. It's like weird, man. We've we haven't been through this since 2014 versus the Los Angeles Clippers losing in Game Seven in the first round, 2015 to, to, ah, through 2019. Obviously, our NBA Finals runs 2020. I mean, you can say we were done then, but like. A, we all weren't playing, and B, like the season stopped in March, and the world stopped in March, so that's kind of like a whole different thing. We were all wondering, like, if we would like still be living the next day, and like, if you get sick, like, 
you remember at that time, none of us knew anything about COVID except for it was like ramping up. It was shutting the world down. So then you had that. Then you had 2021, which was Steph's, Steph was back. I was back. Um, I mean, not that I missed time like Steph or Clay, by the way, but uh, they went through like some serious injuries and my, my year 2020 was just awful. Um, season, I would say. Season was awful. I think I played 21 games or something like that. Um, so there's that. Then you have 2021 where, like, the regular season didn't end till May because Christmas, the, the, the season really didn't start till Christmas time due to the pandemic. So even though we lost in a playing game, I think we still finished in, like, May or something like that. So you can't say that, and I, I even think then it was later than this. Like, if I'm not mistaken, it was like the third week of May playing the playing games, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And then last year, obviously, winning the championship. So this is the first time we've lost in, like, any round earlier than the NBA Finals in nine years. And so, like, how to feel about that, I don't know. Like, are, are you sitting there and you're like, man, it's been great nine years to, to accomplish that. But, like, we're competitors. Like, we're not sitting there. And, and we're also not done. So we're not sitting there like, oh, man, it's been a great run and this has been incredible. Like, no, that's been kind of the talk, but hasn't been quite the mindset. Because I think we all do know um, what we're – capable of what we're still capable of and obviously um didn't finish quite the way we wanted it to finish this year but like we know right there it's still it's still right there for us and we know what we're capable of some retooling will need to happen obviously um always have to retool your roster after a win or a loss and especially after a loss i saw steve kerr coach kerr has said um uh, he said, ultimately, this team maxed out. And the reality is, it's like, that's true. Like, we weren't in the playoffs. We were in the playoffs. We were right there from 6 to 10 to 12 um, for that last month or whatever. Every time we thought, like, oh, man, we're gaining ground. You give, like, just give a game away. You think about all the games we gave away this year. Like, literally, gift wrap. Here, Orlando. Uh, gift wrap here, Charlotte. Gift wrap here, Detroit Pistons. Um, like you name it. So many games, just like gift wrap people this year. And the reality is, if you don't gift wrap all of those games, then all of a sudden you're a 47 win season, not 44, 48 win season, and a totally different position coming into the playoffs not grinding every game out down the stretch because you have to win in order to get in. Like, there was so many things that went into it, like, this year and, and then not turn it, ultimately turning out to be the year that we wanted to have. Um, and so I do say you guys didn't abs you didn't let us win another fucking championship. Kudos. Congratulations. Uh Insane this year, <laughs> just this year. But um, it's uh, you know, er everything happens for a reason, and you know, we're not gonna sit here and 
A, number one, not give the Los Angeles Lakers credit. Uh, you got to get them their credit. Uh, starting the top, Darvin Ham. Uh, you know, some of the adjustments he's made. He made this series. Look like a coach that's been in the playoffs for, for years and years and years. And obviously he has a ton of experience in the playoffs as an assistant coach. But when you take over as the head coach, um, that's a different thing, a totally different thing. Uh, tasked with coming back from a 2-10 and 10 record uh, to start the season and start his campaign as a head coach. Job well done, OG. Job well done. And um, looking forward to continuing to watch his adjustments as these playoffs go on. One thing I will be talking about on these shows are coaches' adjustments and the things that I watch in these series and the chess match that is the playoffs. And so I will be discussing that as well, and I know he'll continue to do great things. Um, did an article the other day or, or an interview about an article the other day just about, like, Saginaw, like, coming from Saginaw, and me going, like, I snuck into Darvinham camp as a kid, like, through the side door at the high school and, like, full circle to be playing against him. Um with a chance to go on to the conference finals, like we from Saginaw, Michigan. Like that's not a real thing. Like I thought it was so great for like kids to Saginaw, for, for kids from Saginaw to not only see me playing in the game, but to look on the other side and like, yo, there's a coach from Saginaw. Like that guy, obviously he's an NBA champion as a player, but that guy is from Saginaw. He's coaching. Like the things, the possibilities that can open up in one's mind on what you can be coming from Saginaw, Michigan. So many times, af athletics, sports is our way out. Um, like my son, DJ, he's always, like, like he loves the coaching side of basketball. Like he likes to talk with the coaches. He be over there like writing stuff on the clipboard, like rebounding for players when he comes to the gym and all of these things. I know everybody going to laugh and be like, oh, man, you're lying on DJ, which was crazy, by the way, in that press conference when that kid said I was lying. Uh, we played, like, four different sports that night at the gym. But that's my man. Uh, no, but honestly, like, he always tell me, Daddy, I'm going to be a coach. And that's a realistic thing for him because of my situation and what he's allowed to see, the interactions he's allowed to have. He's not growing up in Saginaw, Michigan. So he's able to interact with Steve Kerr. Mike Brown was one of his favorites. Um, Coach Q, Bruce Frazier, like, Gemma. He, Jacob Rubin, like, he loves the coaching side of it. And, like, for that to be a realistic thing in his head at, at six years old, like, to me, that's incredible. And, like, ultimately, I want him to know that uh, there are so many other things outside of basketball that you will be able to do too. And that's my job as a parent to continue to teach him and show him those things. But for him to watch uh, like all of this that's going on and for him to come away with it like, eh, I like basketball and he'll play it sometimes, but like I want to coach. I think that's so dope because that wasn't a realistic thing for me as a kid growing up in Saginaw, Michigan which goes back to my point of the kid that's growing up in Saginaw, Michigan now and see Darvin Ham coaching, uh, leading a team to the NBA Conference Finals. Absolutely incredible, and I, and I take my hat off to that. And uh, losing sucks, and I hate losing, but that thing makes me feel good. You know, when you're always trying to find, like, the silver line and other message and things. Like, there's 
there's messages and wins, there's messages and losses. And like you try to find like those things that's like, man, but that thing though, but that, but this thing. And like that's one of those things. Where like the kid from Saginaw can dream about something more than being Draymond Green and playing right now. And Darvin Ham and playing. Like, no, I, I don't even want to play. I just want to coach. So what's that route? What's that path? I think that's incredible. So I take my hat off to them. Um, Bron finished with 39 and 9. Uh, before everybody say, oh man, Jamichael's post, uh, it, it, it motivated LeBron James. Like, LeBron James is going to come out and play that way because it's a closeout game six at home and he knows going back to game seven and chasing it like that. You just don't want to do that. Like, how can you do that? So the force that he came out playing with, LeBron James, I, I highly doubt, is being moved by someone posting a blue cap on his head on, on, on Instagram story. Like, and I know that's the media, that, that's the media thing, sports media, they'll, oh, you just don't poke the, like, stop it. Ain't no poking no bear at this point in the season. Like, you, you try and win, you win or you lose. And you're coming out to do that regardless. So before everyone run off like, oh, Jermichael, you cost this, stop it. Uh, saying that, um, as Bron, as the series went on, I know you all remember me speaking earlier, like, yo, Bron off the ball. As the series went on, you see he got on the ball more and more and more and more and more. And it was more of what we were accustomed to seeing from Bron. Uh, I thought it was, it said a lot about him to try taking a different route, a different path, a different, doing a different thing for this team uh, start this series. And then he ultimately went back to, I'm going to control everything. I want to get us into the actions that we want to get into. I'm going to get the game at the pace that we wanted at. And, and he ultimately went back to that, and uh, which was more of what, like I said, what we're accustomed to seeing. And I think he did what, what the game dictated. Uh, AD 17-20, two steals, two blocks. Um, man, I always enjoy competing against some of the best. Uh, AD is one of the best in the game. Uh, one of the most talented players we got in this league. Uh, one of the most gifted guys. Um, special, special talent. Obviously, you know, we came in together. Uh, it's been 11 years in this thing. And, and the battles uh, that we've had, um, this isn't our first playoff battle. I doubt if it's the last playoff battle. But the battles we've had over the course of these last 11 years has been amazing. Um, I, I always enjoy playing against the guys that challenge me to be at my best. Um, and if you're not at your best, it's not good enough. And I wasn't at my best enough this series for it to be good enough. Tip my hat to AD uh, as a competitor. Uh, it's a guy who takes a lot of slander. Um, a lot of slander. And, you know, he stepped up to the challenge. He's changed their season. Um, and, and they're headed to the conference finals. And he's right at the center of all of that. Uh, so I take my hat off to him. Austin Reeves, man, a guy who got off to a slow start in this series, um, finished with 23, and I think for the last three, three, three four games, maybe he, he played well. Uh, you got to – he earned my respect. Uh, definitely earned my respect. He's just competing at the level that he competed at throughout these series. These lights get bright. Uh, we've seen guys these playoffs say these lights get bright, too bright. And they get too bright for a lot of people. Um, tip my hat to him on how he stood. And like I said, it didn't start off great. And that's a guy who's up for a contract. You start talking about, um, you know, 
you start struggling the series, you lose that series, all of a sudden, like, what is the future? Like, are you the guy? Are you here? All of those things. And, like, for the series to not start off great for him and for him to stick with it and have the impact that he had on the series said a lot to me. Uh, said a lot. Like I said, you see so many guys uh, that just shrink in these moments and don't live up to the moment. And if I'm not mistaken, this is his first time playing it at this level uh, as far as the playoffs and, you know, making runs and look like he fit right in. So I take my hat off to him. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Um, Dennis Schroeder was a huge key to this series for them. Um, I thought the adjustment to add him to the starting lineup would have came earlier, but you also don't really make adjustments like that when you're not faced with elimination, essentially. Now, again, remember I said, you see that type of adjustment in game six. That is because they're essentially approaching that like an elimination game. Like, we got to go back for game seven. It's just a coin flip. You just, like, you you don't want that. And so they go to Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup, like I said, which is one that I thought would could have happened earlier. And uh, Dennis had been great for them the whole series. He had been great defensively. Um, you know, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but shot it okay, well enough. Hit timely shots. I wouldn't even necessarily say uh, it was how many, the amount of shots he hit, but he hit timely shots all series. We'd be on a run. He'd get to the middle of the paint, hit a little floater, uh, hit a couple threes, like timely. Um, much respect to him as a competitor. Obviously, we we had our jaw back and forth in the series, and I enjoy that. Uh, don't take stuff that happens on the court personal. Um, he changed that series for them. He changed the series for them. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in free agency this summer because if he doesn't get a nice contract, it's because people – so in all of this stuff when you're talking social media and, like, media and, like, it's everyday thing – People, like, create these perceptions. And so when you, like, there's a perception that's been created on Dennis due to the contract that he didn't take with the Lakers before. And, like, that perception lives in people's head. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we can get this guy for cheap now. We don't have to pay this guy. And, like, he's played well above what he's making. Well above what he's making. And shown to be an important piece to a possibly championship contending team. A very important piece. Um, Almost their starting point guard. Like, you know, you got D'Lo obviously start at the point. Um, but but when Dennis is in the game, D'Lo plays off the ball most of the time. And Dennis is playing 30-plus minutes in these, these playoffs. And so he's almost like their starting point guard. Whenever anything's going wrong, he's who, there's, who, he's who they're inserting. And so um, Dennis was a huge key to this series. And I, I, like, I tip my hat to him as well. Uh, and ultimately, like I said, tipping my hat to all of those guys. Um, they were the better team in this series. And they're moving on uh, with, a, with a matchup versus the Denver Nuggets. Uh, we will get into that before we get out of here. I'll go back to that. Uh, just moving forward, thoughts on the future of the Warriors. Um, I know, like I mentioned earlier, Steve said, like, this team maxed out. And I said, this thing isn't maxed out, but this team was maxed out. Like, I, I can 100% agree with that, as I said earlier. But when I said this thing isn't maxed out, what I mean? I mean, like, we've been rolling. We've been doing this now. I've been here 11 years. We've been rolling for nine. And um, that ain't over. 
you know, uh, like I always say, I'm, bro, I'm riding out with the same guys I rode in with. And what I know about those guys that I rode in with, still a lot left in the tank. It's still a lot of uh, winning um, on the, you know, ahead of us. I was talking to Clay um, as we were sitting at the table last night. Ty, Clay, Steph, and myself, just like how important and big of a summer this is. Like how, how like locking in, like how locked in we need to be, like. Yeah, this, like, no, I don't think this is it. I'll say it right here for you. No, I, this isn't it. Uh, we plan on doing this thing again. That's the plan. Obviously, this is a business and things has to take place. I get that. But we plan on doing this again, but was just sitting at the table stressing the importance of, like, us coming in in shape and, like, being ready to go and, like, getting our bodies to the best space that you can get your body and, like, how big of a year this is for us next year. And the first thing he said, he said, hell yeah. Like, like I still want to be an all-star again. I still want to win more. Like, I want to do all of these things again. Like, and last summer for me, it just wasn't like, like, that's my first summer of two and a half years, a different summer, but I'm, I'm ready to attack this summer. And like, that was great. Number one, to just be able to sit there and have that conversation. Like, so many people aren't open to that conversation and to know that we can still have those conversations after 11 years. You always talk about like bands breaking up and like this thing get too big and that thing get too big. And like, to still have those conversations 11 years later, that's why we win. And that's why we will win again. Because it's not just about one guy. It's not you can't say this to me or I, I can't say this to you. Like, nah. So brotherhood, when we it's really that. And so looking forward to this summer. It's going to be a great summer for us. Um, and it'll be a great year for us next year. And so that's what I meant on this thing isn't maxed out. Although that team was maxed out. Like, we got all we can get out the team. Sucks that it did not finish the way we ultimately wanted to finish. Another thing Clay said I thought was uh, interesting was like, man, I was looking at the Spurs and like what they were able to do. They never won back-to-back championships. Like, yeah, it's true. It's like, man, so like we still got more to do. Like, absolutely. It's hard to win back-to-back championships. Ultimately, your team has to get better to win back-to-back championships. I'm not sure this team got better. I'm not sure this was a better team. I, I, I know it wasn't. This wasn't a better team than we had last year. So that's the case. And saying that as a competitor, you do all that you can to try to make it happen and, and win. And I think we did that. Like I said, like Steve said, it maxed out. It's okay. Another thing that I thought was interesting was Steph said there was no changeup that we had to throw at the Lakers lineup. And I think that's, that's true. Like, when you look at rosters, um, having guys like Otto Porter, Nemanja Bielisa, like, those were change-ups that you could throw at at um, different things. Like, we threw at the um, Celtics last year. Otto Porter, like, those were different change-ups that you can throw when all this stuff is going on and it can throw a team off. Um we didn't, we didn't have as many capabilities to do those things as we have in years past, in championship years past. I can agree with Steph on that. And, um, you know, ultimately those things matter when, when it's in the playoffs because, again, it comes down to team that's going to play the hardest, uh, the team that's going to play with more force, adjustments, 
obviously skill and talent. That goes without saying. But, you know, it comes down to those things. And when you're capped or limited on how much you can do, it makes a difference. And ultimately, those teams usually lose. Like, when I look back on this series, I always say there, there's like, and, and I don't say this because, like, we lost. Like, because there's always a point in the series that we get to and we like, all right, we got them, they done. And we never got to that point with this team of like, all right, we got them, we got them figured out. Yes, we figured some things out, for sure. Getting AD in space, um, getting, pulling him away from the basket, like, getting Braun in some actions. Like, we figured some things out, but ultimately it wasn't enough. Like, we didn't figure them out. Like, we didn't crack the code. Like, every series, Jackson Jackson tried to get me to tell y'all last series when we, when we cracked Saks code. Like, Draymond, as your producer, it's my job to get you to say that. Because I would tell him, we get on here, I'm like, Jackson, we got this team figured out. They can't beat us. Like, and he got accustomed to that last year when I would tell him that last year. He's like, oh, okay. But like, they really be figuring out. And this year, I told him once we figured Sack out, like, yo, we got them figured out, they toast. And sure enough, we did. Like, this series, we never got to a point to where we like, yo, all right, we got it. Cracked the code. That's it. They done. Obviously, we lost. So that goes without saying. But, like, you can get to that point and still lose, by the way. Like, and, like, the ball don't bounce your way or something like that. What I'm saying is this wasn't like a ball didn't bounce your way thing. Last night, I thought we got great looks to start the game, and they just didn't go in. Like, yes, that is a fact, of course. But in saying that, I still don't think we ever just cracked the code. Like, yes, we got to a space where we could win games and ultimately got to a space where we could have possibly won the series. But it still wasn't a cold crack. This is it. And that's, you know, here we are, May 12th, May 13th, finish. So it, it makes sense. Um, and that's kind of what the change-up talk was. So that's, that was that. Uh, my future with the Warriors, obviously I have a player option. Um, I have not had the opportunity. I have the best agent in the game. For those of you out there who don't understand the business or know the business, uh, my agent is Mr. Richard Paul, Rich Paul for short, for those of you who don't know who Richard is. Uh, he is the best in the business. I said all of that to say um, we have not had the opportunity yet to sit down and discuss any future things. Um, if I call Rich, during the season, and I was like, Rich, all right, so here's what I'm thinking for free agent. He probably hang up in my face. Um, when you do start to discuss those things, like during the season, like he has a, a, very, a, a very funny way of like veering the conversation a totally different way. And not like I, Rich was in my wedding. Like that's my brother. Like my, that's my big brother. Um, super close to him. So we talk all the time. And it's not in a way of like, <laughs> where you notice he changed the conversation, but he just smoothly redirects the conversation somewhere else. And in large part that he's like, he's not ever jumping the gun. He's not about to talk contract during a season, unless it's like, yo, we need to get an extension done before the season is over. That's just not how he operates. And so we have not had that discussion yet. Um, so as far as future goes, like, I don't know what, the options will be. I don't know what my option will be here. I, I don't know any of those things. So 
I can't. Um, I, what I can tell you is, like I said last night, which is I want to be here. You know, I want to, um, like, this is, I've been here 11 years. Like, you don't just get out of the way. You don't just throw that away. And quite frankly, I think we still have more championships that we can and will win. So, uh, and understanding all of that, I want to be here. But also in understanding that this is a business. I know the business side of it. I know the penalties that lie ahead with the new CBA. I know all of those things. I think winning is is worth it. And I know we still will win. So there you have it. Uh, that's kind of my outlook on the future. When I do have a decision, you will know it here first. How about that? You will know it here first whenever that decision is made, whether I'm going to opt out. Whether, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I don't know what it is. I, we haven't discussed it. So there's that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You all would know first. Uh, a lot of people saying the Warriors dynasty are over, um, which are the same people that said it was over in 2019 when KD left. Four years later, they're still saying it's over. Great. They're always wrong. Those same people are the same folks that said I'd never make it in the NBA. Those people are the same folks that said they're a jump shooting team and they won't win. It's those people. They're saying the dynasty's over. But also know and pay attention to who the people that are saying the dynasty are over. It's always people that have never been a part of a dynasty. You never really see Shaquille O'Neal, the great Shaq, my favorite player as a kid growing up, say, oh, man, it's over. You know why? Because that man understands what it's like. 
He gets it. But there's always people that run and say, oh, man, it's over. You don't even know how it feels to start it. So fast to say it's over. Um, it's not. But we'll prove that again, and we'll shut people up again, and that'll be fun to do. That's always the best thing to do. That's always the fun part. Looking forward to doing that, because this thing is not over. Heat closed out the Knicks in game six. Uh, Jalen Brunson had 41 points. Hey, y'all remember that adjustment I told y'all about, about Jimmy Butler being on Jalen Brunson? I didn't get to see most of the game. Not sure. I, when I did see some of the game early on, it was not Jimmy Butler guarding Jalen Brunson. It was Cody Martin and a couple other people. But that last possession when Jalen Brunson turned it over, did you see who was on Jalen Brunson? It was Jimmy Butler. Why? Because Jalen drives left, middle, he's trying to get to that spot, goes back the other way, trying to get to the spot, but you can't bump Jimmy off that spot. And so, boom, there you have it. They didn't make the adjustment for the entire game, but when the money was on the line, you had to go Jimmy. I saw something the other day that said Eric Spolster has never been a coach of the year in the NBA. That is insane. That's nuts. Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And um, always, like even when he they had them terrible rosters down there, I'm not even sure. Um, like when you talk about the great Miami Heat teams, I'm not even sure this is one of the best rosters now. But they always win. Like they always win. Like they always find a way. Like I got so much respect for that organization. I also got a lot of respect for those guys, Jimmy, Bam, how they sent UD out. Like, they haven't had a great year. Finished seventh seed, play in, lost that eighth seed. And, like, how they fighting and, like, to send UD out. Like, I think that's super dope. A lot of respect and love for what they're doing down there. Obviously, we know Jimmy in the playoffs and what he's capable of. Uh, Bam's been playing a lot better. Uh, Duncan Robinson's been playing better. Uh, he's been hitting some shots. Definitely missed some shots in that game five, but uh, he's back that threat again, and I think that's important. Um, Kyle Lowry's been great off the bench. But um, the Heat goes back to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four years. I'm not sure they were projected to go either one of those times, either one of those three times. And that just says a lot about them, about their process, about the guys you have, they're dogs, you know, like, says a lot about them. Um, I personally think they don't have a chance versus Boston. I do think they could be Philly because you can get Philly in spaces where, like, you can stop them from scoring. Keying on Joel, if James doesn't have it going, they have to rely on so many other things, and Miami's defense has always been great. Boston, I don't think they have a chance to stop. Like, they cannot shoot it from out. They can score in so many different ways that I don't think they would beat Boston. But they would get physical. But Boston has shown to be able to handle physicality. Um, so, I think for the Heat's sake, it's best if Philly wins. However, I think Philly left their opportunity on the table. And now they got to go back to Boston for game seven. I had to go back to Boston for game six. 
Not game seven. Not quite game seven, but game six. It is not a pleasant place. Let me tell you, it's just not pleasant. And so I think they're in trouble. Um, I think they let their opportunity get away. They had the game well in control. Jason Tatum had three points going into the fourth quarter. Um, at that point, I think he was like one for 13. And I was sitting there watching the game uh, with my homeboy, and I said, yo, if JT can finish five for 19, he's going to be the hero. He goes for, to the savior and the hero. But if he don't finish five for 19, he is going to get crushed. He didn't quite finish five for 19. He finished five for 21. But it was to my point. He hit big shot after big shot. And then when he didn't hit the big shot, he was taking the big shot. And, like, your guys rally around that. And they rallied around it. Marcus Smart had a very good game, kept them afloat. Malcolm Brogdon, very good game, kept them afloat. Uh, the substitution, of, uh, the, the adjustment of Robert Williams going into the star lineup. I told you all, they're going to need a game from Robert Williams to win. Putting him on P.J. Tucker and allowing him to wrong, letting Joel bang uh, with Al Horford. Incredible adjustment. Um, because Philly can't afford to, you know, they were playing off P.J. Tucker and just making him hit the three, and he hit a couple of them. But Philly can't afford to take P.J. off the floor because they need his toughness. They need all of those little things that P.J. brings to a game and a series of this magnitude. They can't take P.J. off the floor. So then you stick Rob Williams there who's like Roman, and Rob Roman will f screw your offense. And so down the stretch, they had nothing. Down the stretch, they didn't get stops. Joel didn't get shots. Uh, they didn't get good, good looks. And they let Boston sneak in there and take it after they had Boston beat. Had the game won and let it get away, and I don't think there's no recovery coming from that one. It actually wouldn't surprise me if they got blasted tomorrow because that's just it's just tough to come back from that. Boston feeling good. They're going back home. Jason Tatum won't start one for 13. Could get ugly. It may get ugly. We shall see. Um, the Denver Nuggets closed out the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns was down 30 at halftime for the second year in a row in a closeout game at home. Uh, that was brutal. Um, Denver, I think, gained a lot of respect with that. Like, showing, like, oh, no, we ready to close out. We ready for that next step. Um, I think that's a great note to go into the Western Conference Finals on against a, a Lakers team who everybody said, oh, they want Denver in the first round. They don't care about the seven seed. They want Denver. That's a statement. That's a statement sent. Now Denver got to go do it. Um, my quick analysis on that series, uh, the AD-Joker matchup will be key. I think uh, Joker being able to pull AD from away from the rim is going to be a real thing. Um, Joker operates in that mid in that mid post area, even in the pick and roll. He's catching in the pocket. He's making plays in that area. It'll be important for the Lakers to shrink the floor, force the skip passes out, and take that away, that, that pocket away from the Nuggets because they live on that. They feast on that. I think the, the, the great thing about Joker, though, is you can move him all over the court. 
You can move him to the high post. You can move him to the block. You can move him to the elbow. You can move him to the, you know, middle of the paint, free throw line area. Um, you can move him around. And that, I think, will create some issues for the Lakers' defense, especially with how they want to play with AD. Uh, but just pulling AD out from the rim, uh, Joker has been uh, has not been reluctant to shoot the three this year. When we played them in the playoffs last year, he wouldn't take many threes. Uh, this year, he's letting them go. And that changes things. And so that's going to pull AD away from the basket. Um, however, I also don't think Denver has a bunch of guys that can just drive in the paint and get to the cup. Like, they got Jamal Murray. Bruce Brown has shown to be a guy that can get to the cup. But are you losing with Bruce Brown getting to the cup? Although Bruce Brown has changed that team, KCP has changed that team. They've made them ready to take that next step. Uh, but ultimately, I don't know if they have the guys to put the pressure on the rim. Like, Aaron Gordon will be matched up with Bron. I'm not sure. He's, he's not just powering through Bron. Um, Aaron Gordon is one of your fence benders. We've talked about the fence bender before. Michael Porter Jr. is more perimeter based. He's more perimeter based. So he's not putting pressure on the rim. So that'll be an interesting thing. They'll be able to pull AD away from the rim, but they don't necessarily have the ball handlers slash playmakers to get to the rim like 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 you'd hope outside of Jamal Murray. Um so does that advantage end up playing out the way it could or should um, as far as pulling AD away from the rim. I don't know that that advantage works. However, I will expect a bunch of inverted screens um, with Joker handling, allowing Joker to get downhill and put pressure on the rim. And again, AD is going to be lifted out. He won't be able to sit back. So now you get inverted screens. How do they guard those? Do they just read them? keep everything in front, but then if you read it and Joker hits somebody and he gets the ball back, now you're going to have to overhelp. You have to overhelp. Finished with 32, 12 assists and 10 rebounds last game. Average a triple-double. It is going to be on the Lakers to... You either got to stop Joker from passing or stop him from scoring. The easier one to do is stop him from getting assists. Can't allow him to get both. If he gets both, you lose. It's very simple. So, do you switch that and play him one-on-one, make him score, and keep everybody else at bay? Don't start giving up back cuts. Don't start giving up open threes and keep the others at bay. That could be one way of doing it. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. But I do expect to see a lot of inverted pick and rolls. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to guard those. Uh, that'll be their way of getting breaking the paint, trying to get to the hole, break, their, uh, break the Lakers' defense down. Be a good series. Ultimately, Denver ready, man. I think Denver is ready. Like, Denver taking that next step. They doing it. We watching it. But I think we're going to have a rerun of 2020. I think the Lakers are at the bubble. And I think the Lakers will take it. I got the Lakers. I got the Lakers in six. Closing out at home in six. That is my prediction. That's what I'm rolling with, and I'm sticking to it. 
There will be some very in-depth analysis after these games. Check it out. It'll be fun. Maybe give you a different insight on what you see. Till next time. From the Draymond Green Show. That's a wrap on this season for the Dubs, but that is not a wrap on the pod. Peace. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.